Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From the global headquarters of AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun, our weekly podcast with stories about the weather and climate. For the past 10 weeks, we have been focused on the fight against COVID-19 with an emphasis on the United States and an eye on the world. I'm Dean DeVore, and to me, one of the first people in our company to begin to work from home back those 10 weeks ago, well, in some ways it feels like 10 years ago, and in other ways it feels like 10 hours. In those 10 weeks, our country virtually shut down, with some areas seeing stay-at-home or quarantine orders just lasting a few to several weeks. There are some hotspots that continue to be restricted into their third month. But over the last week, there has been hopeful news with more promising results in more clinical trials of vaccines. There's been news about continuing improvements in testing for the antibodies to the virus. And there was a complete change in the direction from the CDC and their guidance about the virus's ability to spread through contact with surfaces. We have also heard increased calls by many in the medical community. To address their fears that a number of us are neglecting our health, afraid of any results, or finding out we have COVID itself after the fact, and with all the warnings and concerns about a second wave of infections, we believe that one key to understanding how you can avoid situations to put you at risk is understanding the concept of viral load. Dr. Joel Myers will join us again, following up on some of his ideas from his previous two visits during our special series, and then using science to explain his view that no matter what, fresh air and exposure to sunshine will help keep you safer in the long run. Doctors and dentists have been warning that their inability to see patients or perform procedures that federal or state officials have deemed as elective or not essential at this time has created a health crisis that we cannot fully comprehend. Many cite people's fears to go visit a doctor or a hospital. And in this time when we're dealing with the danger of COVID-19 and its effects lurking, well, that actually hits home as I deal with a medical issue myself. We'll take our weekly visit to Dr. E as we talk towards the end of the show about how we begin to assess our own health risks and weigh those against the fears of the unknown when it comes to the coronavirus as we head to the doctor's office or to a hospital in the next weeks. And as the summer heat boils up more, so do tempers and patience. Volatility seems to be an overarching theme in our political discourse and our attitudes toward how we're dealing with the virus and the shock and awe of climbing above 100,000 deaths currently being attributed to complications and diseases produced by the coronavirus. But there is also a sense of wanting to move forward. Coming off the first big summer holiday, we saw people moving about and visiting more freely than they have been in the most recent weeks before, most heeding the warnings and requests for the continuation of social distancing and responsible practice on where and when to go. But people are ready to slip the surly bonds of the coronavirus, so much so that the first launch into space, with Americans on board from American soil in almost a decade, captivated the interest of our nation. 
only to be disappointed by a weather system kind of fueled by the formation that day of Tropical Storm Bertha this past Wednesday. Well, it scrubbed the mission then, but there is hope to try again to launch this coming weekend. We'll check in with AccuWeather meteorologist and our astronomy blogger Dave Samuel to talk more about the possibilities of that launch. Those are all the things that are coming up here this week on Everything Under the Sun. But first, it is my pleasure to welcome to the show our founder and CEO of AccuWeather, Dr. Joel Myers. Joel, it's great to have you back on the uh, podcast. It's hard to believe it's been 10, 9 weeks since we've been talking specifically about COVID-19 here on Everything Under the Sun. First, uh, just wanted to check in on you and how you and your family and everyone's doing. We're doing great. You know, I, I've been pretty well isolated. I do go for a walk every day. That's outside where uh, the air's moving around and clients stay at least 10 feet away from anybody that uh, I pass. Sometimes somebody will ride by on a bike closer than I'd like, but uh, they go by very quickly. So I doubt I get a germs from them, even if they have it. So as we start to loosen restrictions across the country, some places more aggressively than others, uh, we just came through the first major summer holiday of the season and heading long into summer, um, you know, the, the concerns now turn to, are we going to see another spike as people start to move about more freely? And one of the things that I know that you wanted to talk about this week was this idea of the importance of thinking about viral load and, and, and in that situation going forward, fresh air and trying to keep yourself out of situations that would give you the opportunity to, to contract this virus. So I think uh, is that the, what you wanted to talk about today? Well, I think there's several aspects uh, of that. And, and so when you look at any flu, any virus, I think the numbers always show that, uh, almost always show that there's more infection and spread of the disease in the cold season, less uh, in the summer, less when it's hot. There's been some uh, discussion and debate about whether high temperatures and high humidity kill off the virus or make it tougher to spread. Whatever the reason, I think that is true. And I think also, uh, as I've said right from the beginning for three, four months now, the ultraviolet radiation from the sun varies by a factor in the northern part of the United States by a factor of 10 to 1 from winter to summer. And of course, it's strong year-round in the southern United States. And I believe that tends to kill the virus. Uh, And that's part of the reason for the seasonality. We know in the Spanish flu from 1917 through 1919, the first one came in the late winter, spring. It died down during the summer. But then in the fall, we had one that was uh, the second episode uh, killed uh, five to ten times as many people as the first. So that's certainly scary for this fall. we got to monitor that carefully. And then it was even a third wave in the following uh, late winter. But uh, that was uh, somewhat greater than the first one, but much less than the second. So there could be other rounds of this. we got to be careful about that. But the point I want to make is that I, I think the spread has a lot to do with the viral load. Let me, let me explain what I mean by that. So okay. if you're packed in a nursing home and with other people and you don't move around much, you're not very mobile, you're in a room for hours and hours and hours, and one or two people in that room, maybe there's not that great ventilation, have the virus, you are exposed to the virus, a concentration of the virus over a period of time. So the concentration of the virus times the amount of time is what I call the viral load. Same thing perhaps in a subway. 
when you're packed in a subway and one, two, three people on the subway have it, you're packed into that for 15 or 20 minutes. I think you could be exposed to high viral load. And that's maybe part of the problem with why it's spread in New York City. It's one of the reasons why I think even though the uh, airplane uh, manufacturers and, and the airlines say, well, if we turn over the air rapidly, you know, several times an hour, okay, but you're still packed together. And so my suspicion is people, that was part of the problem with the travel and, and, air, and airplanes. So what does that all mean? Well, in the summer, and even in your house, and even in buildings, and in office buildings, it's on, you're concentrated. But in the summer, the windows are more likely to be open. There's more air circulating into the house. You go outside more. So what does it mean when you're outside? Well, even if people are closer together, and I'm not suggesting that people don't follow the rules and the guidelines of being separated, but the air is moving. Even if the wind speed is only four, five, six, seven miles an hour, it's significant. It's spreading out any germs that come out of somebody. It's also vertically. You know, the air goes up and down. So the concentration is diluted outside much faster than it is inside. Somebody rides by on a bicycle or if you're past somebody or you're with somebody, the air is flowing and the concentration uh, that you're exposed to is less and it's for a less period. And so that, I think, is part of the reason it doesn't spread as much in the summer season. Plus, when you're outside, not only that air also contains other agents that may be detrimental to the virus as well, not just the air itself, but it may have other properties uh, that actually help that too. Now, look, we know that your PhD is in meteorology, but that doesn't mean that uh, you know you know air movement, And but you didn't come up with these ideas. These ideas go back to Benjamin Franklin in terms of getting more fresh air and, and getting air involved into your situation. Yeah, Benjamin Franklin is reputed to have taken an air bath opened his window in his house. I understand he sat in front of a sunny window whenever he could and let the cold air, if it was cold or whatever, and the sun bathe his body. Now, we know that sunshine provides vitamin D. Benjamin Franklin obviously was a scientist and a brilliant guy, but he suspected, I guess, that he didn't know about UV rays, but he... <laughs> ultraviolet rays, but he knew about the sun. And so he believed that was healthy. And I think it makes sense that we know that vitamin D3 is important. You get it from the sun. And a recent study came out by the medical profession that showed if you have higher levels of D3, you're less likely to be infected. You're less likely to have a bad experience uh, with the the corona. Uh, So that all makes sense in, in both ways. The sun probably kills the virus, but it also boosts your immunity. So one thing that uh, is probably in a good situation, I would think, is adding moisture into the air, raising the humidity when you're inside, especially if you're using conditioned air. And I know that AccuWeather has a product to track indoor humidity so you can make those judgments, right? Well, yes and no, what what you said. Yeah, we just introduced indoor humidity because uh, we feel that's important now. First of all, if it's very dry, the humidity gets exceptionally dry in heated homes in the wintertime when it's cold outside. Sometimes the humidity falls as low as 10%. And that's unhealthy, not only for all kinds of things. It, it dries out your membranes and your nose, which uh, makes you more susceptible to all types of disease, including the corona. And you dries out your eyes. And a lot of people get the corona by the molecules and the, and the virus getting into your body through your eyes. And so you don't want it to get too dry. And this new product's going to let people know when the humidity in your home, wherever you are, is going to be too low. So right now it's on our desktop. It'll be added to our app, the AccuWeather app. It will tell you what the indoor humidity is in your house based on basic conditions. Now, if you have large sources of moisture and you're 
running the shower a lot, it'll be somewhat higher, but it assumes an average condition in a house of not only what it is, but it predicts it out through 15 days. So you'll be able to anticipate those very dry days and not only make you more susceptible to the corona, but also make you more susceptible to a variety of other diseases. And if you have dry skin, eczema, and so on, uh, these things are going to be, at least they'll give you a notice of when you're more exposed to that. Also, when it's very cold outside, meaning it's dry inside, people are less likely to open the window and air out their house. I open my windows and air out my house, no matter what the temperature is outside, at least for 15 minutes, uh, three times a week. And I've been doing that for 25 years because pollutants build up in your house, whether it's tiny particles of plastic or whatever it is. So it's good to air out your house. Uh, It's a good thing. But the indoor humidity, I think, is a, a great new product. We're excited. We've been developing it for several years. We just launched it last week. But in the summertime, now, if you have, your house is air-conditioned, you don't have to worry too much about inside humidity. But the problem, if you are in buildings that are not air-conditioned, the combination of when it's very hot and humidity builds up and has very detrimental effects. You know, more people die to heat in the United States, to heat and heat waves, than die combined from hurricanes, tornadoes, and severe weather and flooding on average. People You're talking that. about the effects from heat exhaustion and those kinds of things. Uh, yes. And, and when you have a heat wave, uh, the heat builds up in buildings. And when it's accompanied by high humidity and you're not in an air-conditioned space, it takes a toll, an increasing toll on your body and reducing your uh, immune system, you know, just wearing out your organs so you don't sleep as well and everything builds up. So, and that's why we have the uh, AccuWeather Real Feel temperature and the accurate the real field shade temperature, which is particularly a value in the in the summertime, both outside and if you don't have air conditioning, of course, inside. Joel, uh, when we visited a, a few weeks ago, you said that, you know, in the high level briefings that you get, that you were encouraged by uh, some of the things you were hearing in terms of the potential for not only treatment, but also vaccine. Where do you stand on those uh, thoughts right now here as we get into the summer? seems like we're getting to a decision point here pretty soon in terms of schools and athletics and things like that in the fall where we have to make some decisions soon. I guess I'm not asking you to pull out your crystal ball, but just some of the thoughts that you've had over the last couple of weeks in terms of the new dynamics that we're in. Well, a lot of different things. So the hydro, that controversial drug, hydrochloroquine or however you say it, so there was a study done in New England of reported from a New England uh, Journal of Medicine, uh, 98,000 people tested, and the report showed that there was a net harmful effect from the use of that drug overall. And that's true. But the problem is, if you dug into that report, that most people got the drug too late. If you get the drug, as I understand it, after you've been infected 12 days or more, it does have a harmful effect. But if the drug is given the fifth or sixth or seventh day in, it has a significant beneficial effect of reducing the uh, intensity of the disease and getting you through it faster. So this is the problem sometimes with journalists trying to take a scientific report and not dig into the details. That's why that drug continues to be given to hundreds of thousands of people that have the disease. But as far as the vaccine is concerned, you know, the vaccine, we don't know. We may never have a vaccine. However, we do know that science, there are more scientists than ever working on this solution. We know that there's better communication and collaboration across uh, the United States and throughout the world 
because of the internet and, and just way things are set up today. So our chances of making progress are greater than they've ever been in history uh, because of this. And I'm optimistic that we will find a vaccine in record time. And another advantage that we have is because uh, we are developing a very good antibody tests that in the past, you had a test of vaccine over a longer period of time. Now you can give the vaccine and you can test people who got the vaccine two or three weeks later and see if they've built up antibodies, you know that it's probably working. Another encouraging thing I've heard on, on these high-level briefings in the last week or so is that people were concerned, it was a concern that you got the disease once and then, geez, you tested positive again weeks or months later. Could it come back? Could you get it a second and third time? It turns out that the feeling now is that you may test positive in the, fu- in the future and you're shedding the virus, but you're not contagious because you're shedding dead virus, not live virus. So that's also encouraging. So that's what I can share. But I'm not an expert in any of those areas, but there's some of the more positive things I've heard. I think sometimes too, Joel, it's a balance because right, like a couple of weeks ago, we were told that it could survive on surfaces for days and weeks. And there was that concern, but then the CDC reversed its course on that thought here just within the last week or so. So yeah, it's uh, rapidly changing information. I think we're benefiting from, as you said, the rapidly available information to everyone and we can uh, make smarter and faster decisions. Joel, uh, I know you're extremely proud of your team at AccuWeather and the entire company, uh, all of the amazing initiatives uh, helping keep our health and uh, medical facilities safe. I know you're proud of the hard work that all your team has been doing to help keep people informed and prepared about the weather, and that's going to continue here through the summer. Absolutely, and and clearly two important contributions that we're trying to make to uh, uh, health is uh, the introduction of indoor humidity, the introduction uh, within the last uh, few weeks of uh, air quality, the best air quality data, which uh, affects people's health in the United States and around the world. It's an insidious, harmful effect from bad air, both particulates that can be harmful and gases. And uh, we now have the very best current conditions for all locations around the world of the state of uh, air quality, but also we provide forecasts up to 96 hours ahead so people can prepare for the harmful effects of bad air. And and if there's bad air outside, unless you have a very advanced air purification system in your house, you're going to have not so good air inside. So everybody should be paying attention to that. And we're immensely proud of the volunteer work that we've done, our team has done, in providing our unique uh, and accurate severe weather warnings to hospitals and medical centers around the country. We're providing this to 440 hospitals now and medical centers in 39 states, free of charge, to protect the uh, patients and uh, the workers who are exposed to uh, the possibility of severe weather, particularly in outside facilities, tents, and so on. As you know, we provide more advanced notice on average of tornadoes and other severe weather events than any other source. We're very proud of that because we've saved tens of thousands of lives over time. And and this is uh, part of our contribution to the amazing work being done by the healthcare professionals uh, around the United States and throughout the world. Now more than ever, AccuWeather and AccuWeather.com. Dr. Joel Myers, thank you for spending time with us here today on Everything Under the Sun. And we look forward to your next visit with us. Me too. 
A reminder that you can listen back to some of Joel's previous visits to our podcast, Everything Under the Sun. He was in the opening episode in our coronavirus series, talking about his initial thoughts about COVID-19 and what was to come. He visited us in the fourth episode, talking about how he felt six feet of social distancing was not enough for him and gave the scientific reasons why. And in fact, we saw more studies like that this week that, again, the thoughts are that in some cases, six feet may not be enough in terms of social distancing. When we come back to everything under the sun, we'll try to head out of this world. At least that's what they did down at Cape Canaveral this week. They'll try again this upcoming weekend. We'll talk to Dave Samuel about the SpaceX NASA launch and its possibilities this weekend right here on Everything Under the Sun. Make AccuWeather Daily a part of your daily routine. Enable the flash briefing and say, Alexa, what's my flash briefing? To access this content on Google Assistant, all you have to say is, Hey Google, talk to AccuWeather Daily. You'll get the top trending weather story of the day, every day. This past Wednesday, in the first time in almost a decade, Americans tried to launch Americans from American soil into space. This time, it wasn't just the governmental NASA agency. It was a partnership between NASA and Elon Musk's SpaceX. A lot of interest But then a lot of disappointment when the mission, at least this opening launch, was scrubbed by thunderstorms. Senior meteorologist Dave Samuel and our blogger of our astronomy blog and a frequent visitor at times to Everything Under the Sun and our also daily podcast, The Insider, joins us to talk about the upcoming prospects as they try to reschedule that launch for this upcoming weekend. Well, Dave, it seemed to me like, uh, you know, a large portion of the country was so riveted to things on Wednesday when the SpaceX and NASA uh, tried to come together and uh, do the first uh, launch into space from America in quite some time. And then, of course, it is Florida and it is summer and uh, the weather, you know, it was, fu- it was funny. We, you know, we had tropical storm Bertha form and it was going into uh, into South Carolina to the north of them. And there was some thought that, well, maybe the subsidence uh, to the south might actually help the situation. But the actual problem was it made the winds westerly. So normally in an afternoon, those showers and thunderstorms that might be along Cape Canaveral in the morning are probably pushing inland, right? Because of the way the scenery goes. So that's why there was some thought that they had a good chance, but (laughs) it was actually Bertha that kind of messed things up that afternoon on Wednesday. Yeah, you're right. That westerly flow, it pins the sea breeze at the coast and that's what we call it. And that's basically gives you an area for thunderstorms to form. It's unusual to get westerly flow in Florida, June, and especially through the rest of summer. Uh, Their main weather comes out of the east, unlike further north where it comes from west to east. So you get that westerly flow often leads to thunderstorms right on the east coast to Florida and you know looking ahead towards our next next launch window could be dealing with the same thing again Saturday but we'll give it a shot at least here yeah so we knew then once the, uh, the it was scrubbed on on Wednesday that the next opportunities would be similar times late afternoons both Saturday and Sunday I think what between about 4 4 30 again in that time frame both days yeah after 3 p.m is the launch window opens up. So when we're looking at that, it does look like, unfortunately, you say it's rare, but it looks like Saturday again has more westerly flow in the atmosphere for Florida. And so I know the uh, as we record this on Thursday, the uh, Air Force released their forecast and they thought it was only a 30 to 40 percent go situation, that it was could be 60 percent no go both days. But I think you and I think that looking at this as we go into the weekend, it may be a slightly better chance to get this off on Sunday versus Saturday. 
Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, we've got, uh, I'm not sure the exact time frame. I think a couple of hours to play with. So, but the problem is it's, it's not necessarily a thunderstorm right over the launch pad that causes issues. If there's any lightning strike within a 10 mile radius of the facilities then they have to wait 30 minutes. And it's not even just that. You could have a, a thunderstorm anvil cloud uh, that is near the shuttle. And even if there's no lightning, uh, that cloud could still have enough electricity. It could react with the rocket and obviously all the rocket fuel. Uh, that could be a big problem of an exploding rocket. So, I mean, any, any type of thunderstorm activity anywhere in the area is a big problem. And it's hard to believe that there won't be something in the area. Maybe we get lucky storms blow through early or that westerly flow isn't very strong. And uh, you get thunderstorms to form. Uh, early in the afternoon, then maybe push inland later. It could happen. I mean, it doesn't look like it's a widespread batch of storms, but I agree with you, though. Sunday does look like the better day. You're going to get some drier air in there. as The front slowly works its way through. Should should help lower those uh, thunderstorm chances. I'd say it's probably more like a 20% uh, thunderstorm chance there on Sunday. Speaking with Dave Samuel from AccuWeather, um, one of our great meteorologists and uh, also uh, loves uh, astronomy, loves anything space, as we all do. And, you know, I, thought I had an interesting thought from yesterday. Now, Dave, you have two younger daughters, their ages and names. Six and eight, Lucy and Ellie. So Lucy and Ellie, were they as jazzed about this yesterday afternoon as you were? Or did you find, as I did, that it was mostly the baby boomers and older that were all jazzed up yesterday yeah. because of the excitement of a space launch and the younger generations was like, dad, shouldn't we be in space already? I mean, what's the deal, right? Yeah. They haven't seen a U.S. Uh, you know, lift off in their lifetime, at least not one with people on it. So, you know, I, I don't think they, they were very excited at all. And I mean, <laughs> they've got a pool to swim in, in the backyard and uh, things to go play outside. It was a nice day here. So, yeah, they were going to be inside watching TV. Yeah, but then it was also interesting to me, this this huge letdown after the the mission was scrubbed. And I was like, you know, I've been used to that since I was a kid. I mean, like that was the thing. You'd get all hyped up and then you'd have to wait the next day. I mean, safety is the main precaution. I hope that's the lesson that we're teaching people about why you just don't want to put that up there with all the weather around there. Yeah, it seems like most of the major launches we've had lately, there's been some kind of weather impact and you just need perfect conditions for a launch. It's all about safety. And like you said, I mean, it it seems more often than not, you're going to not launch that that original window that you uh, have open. So yeah, I guess some people are kind of surprised by that, but that is just the way it goes. Well, Dave, as we look forward to moving on in this program and uh, through the summer, we'll have you back on to talk about more and some other things with AccuWeather.com, AccuWeather Astronomy. Thanks for joining us today. Sounds good. There's always something to talk about astronomy related. I'll be glad to be back. Yeah, there's been some amazing uh, situations where planets uh, together and a Jupiter, Saturn right now with Mars uh, in the early mornings has been gorgeous when it's clear. So always good stuff to talk about. the moon in there and it's just a beautiful picture. Dave, have a great day. We'll talk soon. Okay. Sounds good, Dave. Thanks for having me. You can find our astronomy blog that Dave contributes to and all our blogs on AccuWeather.com. We've got expert uh, blogs about severe weather, long-range forecasting, all things uh, about the weather and stories that help you get informed. You can check Dave out, too, on our podcast as well. We'll certainly have Dave back here in the near future on everything out of the sun as we head into summer. Lots of great stargazing and planet watching to come. When we come back, we'll take our weekly visit with noted psychologist and author Dr. E. Eric Fisher joins me to talk about how do we deal with our health fears and balance risks between treating ourselves and 
fearing what might be to come if we ever encountered the COVID-19 virus. That's coming up next on Everything Under the Sun. Listen to Weather Insider every weekday for a discussion on trending weather news with me, Bernie Reno, and Evan Myers. You'll get detailed insight into major weather events and learn the why behind the weather. Just subscribe to Weather Insider on your favorite podcast platforms today. Welcome back to the global headquarters of AccuWeather.com. I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore as we continue with our special series and COVID-19 and the fight against it and how weather relates. And since week two of this series, we've been leaning on leading emotional dynamics expert, Dr. Eric Fisher, noted author who's written two books, The Art of Empowered Parenting, the manual you wish your kids came with, and The Art of Managing Everyday Conflict, Understanding Emotions and Power Struggles. And how you can uh, certainly been dealing with the COVID-19 has been something that Dr. E has helped us with immensely. And let's talk to him this week. Dr. Fisher, welcome back. You know, I've been trying to make this uh, relatable because I'm going to been trying to talk about some of the issues going on with me. And here we are coming off of the Memorial Day weekend. Uh, places got very summery very quickly, and a lot of folks uh, enjoyed some good outdoor weather responsibly here over the uh, weekend. And as we head into this upcoming week, you know, summer is really in full force. And I'm not feeling well. In fact, uh, I think it's going to be um, going to the doctor here in a bit and we're going to probably, uh, it's probably shingles. I've had a history of having that. So, but I got to tell you, Dr. E, I, I, I was, had a second thought in my head. Do I really want to pursue this? I know what it is. I could probably self-medicate. I have some stuff that I've taken before. Do I want to go into the belly of the beast and go to a doctor's office, go near the hospital? I mean, that seems like something that's kind of weighing on people right now as we seem to be in one situation with COVID and the fight against it. But I've been hearing from a lot of my health professional friends how concerned they are about how things have been piling up over the last six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks and why and how people are going to deal with that here as we start coming back to some normalcy. Right. Well, not only are we looking at things physically that people may be neglecting or haven't been able to get assessed or addressed, like things like, you know, colonoscopies, mammograms, things that are going to be regular maintenance, as well as even my, you know, my dentist appointment was rescheduled to who knows when. Then you also have some of the other illness-related issues that there may be people who feel afraid to go to their physician because they don't know who else has been treated there. And, you know, my daughter just went to the doctor the other day and she had, uh, my wife had to call into the doctor's office when she arrived there. They came into the car and brought her in and, and their doctors, physicians, and health professionals, we're all trying to do our best to make sure that we decrease the risk of spread of COVID or any other communicable diseases. And now I think it's the, the positive side of this. We're more aware than that than ever, because it wasn't uncommon for kids to catch a flu for a well visit in a doctor's office. So the ability to create that insulation and those best practices that will carry on for some time here on out is good. The downside or the, the other side of that is the fear. And the other feeling that, you know, what happens if I go get help for this and I catch something else? And that can be unrealistic to some degree. So I always would advise people to talk to their physicians, their therapists, their dentists to say, what are your policies in place before I come in? And I'm sure they'll be more than happy to do that because there are definitely guidelines that are in place about this to decrease those, those risks. It's funny because when I've been sharing with this with people uh, today, they've been saying, oh, I hope it's not. 
shingles. And I'm like, well, actually, I hope it is because I know how <laughs> to deal with that. It's to be my fourth or fifth, sixth outbreak. I can't lost count. Right. So, yeah, I, I mean, we're looking at that situation and I, I understand what you're saying, but you're right. And once we decided, well, you know, we really would like to come in and see you and make sure because there's some other things that could be, you know, they went through everything and I said, okay, I, I'm, I'm feel like I'm, I think that is the best course. So, yeah. And, and I think we're finding more and more, I was able to do some of this part online. I mean, the, my, my folks have a, a great online app now to, uh, to talk to the doctors and the people getting uh, ready to set that up. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, again, I think it, Dr. E, it, it comes down to me is about where do we find the balance in assessing risk? And, and, you know, as we record this on a Wednesday, we, formed a tropical storm off the uh, coast of South Carolina, Bertha, and an hour later it was in, you know, it had come on shore. It just ramped up that quickly. Um, You know, when we get later in the hurricane season, uh, August, we start seeing things forming off the coast of Africa, sometimes two weeks away from the United States in interaction. But with the potential that a long form storm could interact with the United States. Uh, you know, some people would say, well, that far out, you wouldn't want to start evacuations. I mean, are we getting into something similar now where people have to learn how to assess the risk of things they do and not be overly concerned with the minuscule eventualities that could occur in situations? Well, I think even with this, the, the COVID outbreak and similar to a hurricane is there were assessments in advance of how serious this was going to be, you know, like the, the, the virus threat versus a storm threat. And as we know, hurricanes can change course at any time. They can get into certain waters that, that make them less damaging or, or bring down the, the, the threat level of those hurricanes, as well as the virus. The death rate of the virus wasn't as significant. You know, granted, 2% to some people doesn't seem a lot. That's a pretty high rate versus a flu that has a 0.2% percent rate, uh, you know, mortality rate with that. So I think what we have to look at here is the difference I see is if somebody goes to the beach like this week and a lot of people are seeing not social distancing and they go to the beach and they take that risk for them and then they come back to their hometown or they come back home and they go visit a family neighbor and just say, hey, how you doing? And they were social distancing before, but then their mother or their father or family member, similar to what happened with funerals, then they get it. That's a serious issue where their actions are affecting me. If they choose though to stay during a hurricane and that hurricane hits they're, they're the ones who are directly at risk, and that doesn't necessarily have tertiary and secondary effects other than maybe the healthcare costs that might be uh, other people might pick up because they don't have insurance or the, the time it took for the police and putting police at risk to try to clear out those places that were evacuated. So there's other costs, but I think we have to look at and really understand what are the secondary and tertiary impacts of our actions on others. Because often we only think about the impact on us and think, well, I'm okay with that risk. One other thing I think we have to think about too is, and I'm, I'm you know, I've experience with this uh, in terms of knowing status, uh, and and I think that's going to become a, a big issue here in the coming weeks and months as folks try to navigate the waters of knowing whether it's safe to go back, and you know, there's there's hope that a vaccine can be finished up by the end of the year. We've heard that. 
but then the other piece of the puzzle is this antibodies test, which I'm hearing, you know, is status. And, and I think some people are going to be concerned about letting people know what their status is one way or the other in terms of whether I have the antibodies to COVID-19 or not, et cetera, et cetera. So do you see issues with that coming as we go get closer to, say, school season in the fall? Anytime you get into a situation where there could be judgment by others and people may experience shame, guilt, embarrassment, humiliation, or something wrong or bad about their condition or situation, I think we got to look at how emotionally we'd respond to that and understand those emotions. When we let those behave or those emotions guide our behaviors, that's when we really need to explore and look at ourselves and look at the world around us because we want to encourage honesty. And the issue is because so many people like they feel like they have to hide what feels bad and or wrong and or weak in our culture because of the fear of judgment or fear of being seen as a loser and you know in the in this dynamic because there's something wrong with me, that's when we compound the issue. Because then we're not being honest with ourselves or others and we're putting them at risk and we're putting ourselves at further risk. So we here at AccuWeather.com just feel like it's a good time to uh, maybe get off of the total focus of COVID-19 in this podcast, maybe talk about the other issues about the weather, but still keep an eye on COVID-19. Do you feel like that's the time that we're in right now? Doc, I kind of get that feeling that some people are just over obsessing about it, right? And so is it time to make that kind of transition where top of the mind awareness and and some kind of uh, make sure that we're knowledgeable, directed, and doing the right things and the safe things, but meanwhile, also living life at the same time? Exactly. I think that's to anything that happens in life. Sometimes people get so focused on a loss or a death that they can't move on. And here they're focused on this, you know, it is it can be a life or death issue with the virus, but also hurricanes can be the same thing. And And, you know, all these factors that we look at that we can choose to focus on Keeping a pulse on current situations, not continuing to be obsessed with what the what the death rate is and what the incident rate is, but being aware of where your risk lies. Are you looking for local statistics on where there might be virus blooms here and there? Are you keeping in touch with your news, with neighbors, and not getting caught into the drama, not getting caught into the into everybody's opinions, but just looking for the facts and the data so you can make pragmatic responses? And then beyond that, yeah, keep on living life. And I think, again, we get, we're getting this issue where people are picking a side. And when they pick into the side, truth is lost. So we have to be able to find what is the truth? And that comes down to trust. Who do we trust? And how do we trust them? And how of why do we doubt storm? You know, people predict the storms and and where they're going to hit because they haven't always been right. So then we want to make ourselves right. Why don't we trust the people who are talking about the viruses? Because we don't feel like they've been right. So we want to agree. And that's that confirmation bias. I want to agree with things that fit with my belief systems. And if what you believe doesn't have to fit with that, I often will just dismiss it. And those are the things I think we need to see is how we end up dismissing facts and data because of the disruption of our emotion. Well, Dr. E, over the last nine weeks, uh, we've talked to you every week and we've been really appreciative of all of the help that you gave us to get through this time. That doesn't mean we're not going to talk to you going forward. I'm not sure if it's as regularly as it has been, but... Uh, I'm just uh, amazed at how it seemed like every week that you could just 
pick on the right things to talk about. And I, I want to thank you for that. And here we go okay. with uh, one of our beautiful Zen cones maybe here to end. Absolutely. Today, I just, I just flipped the page and it says, do not search for truth. Simply stop having opinions. Mm. <laughs> so couldn't have been that's a more a perfect mic, one. That's, that's a mic drop one. I don't think we need to even talk about that, right? <laughs> I think you're right. Say it again. Yeah. Given what I just was talking about, yeah. don't search for truth. Simply stop having opinions. And Dr. for the, e, thanks. My pleasure for the viewers out there. Again, see, continue to see this as a journey to explore yourself, to explore the world around you. And it's not so much seeing as what's wrong with the world, but what we can do to make it a better world for all of us. So as we come to the close of this 10th episode in our special series on COVID-19, you may have noticed a bit of a theme. We've been talking about moving on and we've been talking here at Everything Under the Sun. And we think it's time, too, to go from our intense focus on COVID-19 and the weather and take everything under the sun back to a more general news magazine format about the weather and climate. There's certainly a lot to talk about. We're getting into summer. People are ready to travel. Things are opening up. And we'll have um, some great discussions about getting you ready for your weekend travel plans as these Everything Under the Sun episodes will come out on early Friday. We'll preview the coming week and we'll talk about all the news stories that involve the weather, including major events that have occurred or may be occurring in the future. We'll also be talking about some of the political issues with weather and uh, global warming and climate change and all of the things that you talk about the weather. In fact, if you have some ideas on things you would like to hear us talk about on Everything Under the Sun, I'll be happy to take your suggestions. You can email me directly, dean.devore at accuweather.com. That's dean, D-E-A-N dot D-E-V-O-R-E at accuweather.com. And we'll Take a look at those suggestions and come up with some stories and things that you want to hear about. Certainly, the weather is something you want to hear about. And as we get into this uh, second unofficial weekend of summer, we have some big changes. Heat and summer-like activity finally built into the Northeast and the Great Lakes this past week. That comes to an end over the weekend. Chillier air is going to come in. In fact, there may be even some frost in some of the inland sections of the northeast of New England beginning of next week. It's a small, cool shot. It's not going to last too long. Things should get back to more normal. But the heat's back in the west, volatile weather in the middle, and it looks like, uh, again, they will try to get that launch of the SpaceX-NASA a rocket test up over this upcoming weekend, but if it uh, continues to have to be delayed into next week, we'll keep an eye on all of that and more. Friends, it's been an absolute pleasure working with all of our dedicated team members here at the Global Headquarters in State College and across the world on this podcast and every day keeping you informed. Like Joel said before, we're extremely proud of all of the work that we've been able to do and all of the great people behind the scenes to do it. Behind me here on this podcast, our amazing producers, um, Ken Prell and Andrew Robb, I can't thank you enough. And we look forward to taking everything under the sun forward as we go next week with more generalized topics, including a look at why people may or may not heed warnings when it comes to hurricane season. And that could be something we have to pay very close attention to. Already onto our second named storm, and the season is just getting underway. That's coming up on Everything Under the Sun. For all of us at AccuWeather, I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore. Please stay safe and well.